Chapter Forty Eight of Miss Marchbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Marchbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Forty Eight. As the election approached, it became gradually the one absorbing object of interest in Carlingford. The contest was so equal that everybody took a certain share in it, and became excited as the decisive moment drew nigh. Most of the people in Grange Lane were for Mr. Ashburton, but then the rector, who was a host in himself, was for Mr. Cavendish, and the coquetting of the dissenting interest, which was sometimes drawn towards the liberal sentiments of the former candidate, but sometimes could not help reflecting that Mr. Ashburton dealt in George Street, and the fluctuations of the bargemen, who were, many of them, freemen, and a very difficult part of the population, excited the most vivid interest. Young Mr. Wentworth, who had but lately come to Carlingford, had already begun to acquire a great influence at Wharfside, where most of the bargees lived, and the steady ones, who no doubt have been largely swayed by him, had his inclinations been the same as the rector's. But Mr. Wentworth, perversely enough, had conceived that intuitive repugnance for mr cavendish which a high-principled and not very tolerant young man often feels for the middle-aged individual who still conceives himself to have some right to be called young and whose antecedents are not entirely beyond suspicion mr wentworth's disinclination and he was a man rather apt to take his own way lay like a great boulder across the stream of the rector's enthusiasm and unquestionably interrupted it a little both the candidates and both the committees had accordingly work enough to do up to the last moment mr cavendish all at once became a connoisseur in hams and gave a magnificent order in the most complimentary way to tozer who received it with a broad smile and booked it as he said it ain't ham he's a-wanting the butterman said not without amusement for tozer was well to do and except that he felt the honour of a mark of confidence was not to be moved one way or another by one order if he dealt regular it might be different them's the sort of folks as a man feels drawn to said the true philosopher mr ashburton on the other side did not make the impression which his friends thought he ought to have made in prickett's lane but at least nobody could say that he did not stick very close to his work he went at it like a man night and day and neglected no means of carrying it to a successful issue whereas as mr sentum and mr woodburn mourned in secret to each other cavendish required perpetual egging on he did not like to get up in the morning and get early to his work it went against all his habits as if his habits mattered in the face of so great an emergency and in the afternoon it was hard to prevent him from lounging into some of his haunts which were utterly out of the way of business he would stay in masters for an hour at a time though he knew mr wentworth who was masters great patron did not care for him and that his favour for such a tractarian sort of place was bitter to the rector anything for a little idleness and waste of time poor mr centum said who was two stone lighter on the eve of the election than when the canvass began such a contrast would make any man angry mr cavendish was goaded into more activity as the decisive moment approached and performed what seemed to himself unparalleled feats but it was only two days before the moment of fate when the accident happened to him which brought such dismay to all his supporters 
our own opinion is that it did not materially affect the issue of the contest one way or the other but that was the reverse of the feeling which prevailed in grange lane it was just two days before the election and all seemed going on sufficiently well mr cavendish had been meeting a dissenting committee and it was on leaving them that he found himself at the corner of grove street where under ordinary circumstances he had no occasion to be at a later period he was rather fond of saying that it was not of his own motion that he was there at all but only in obedience to the committee which ordered him about like a nigger the spring afternoon was darkening and the dissenters almost wholly unimpressed by his arguments and remarking more strongly than ever where mr ashburton dealt and how thoroughly everybody knew all about him had all dispersed it was but natural when mr cavendish came to the corner of grove street where in other days he had played a very different part that certain softening influences should take possession of his soul what a voice she had by jove he said to himself very different from that shrill pipe of lucilla's to tell the truth if there was one person in carlingford whom he felt a resentment against it was lucilla she had never done him any harm to speak of and once she had unquestionably done him a great deal of good but on the other hand it was she who first was candidly conscious that he had grown stout and who all along had supported and encouraged his rival it was possible no doubt that this might be pique and mixed with his anger for her sins against him mr cavendish had at the same time a counterbalancing sense that there still remained to him in his life one supereminently wise thing that he still could do and that was to go down grange lane instantly to the doctor's silenced house and go down on his knees or do any other absurdity that might be necessary to make lucilla marry him after which act he would henceforward be pecuniarily and otherwise notwithstanding that she was poor a saved man it did not occur to him that lucilla would never have married him even had he gone down on his knees but perhaps that would be too much to ask any man to believe of any woman and his feeling that this was the right thing to do rather strengthened than otherwise the revolt of his heart against lucilla it was twilight as we have said and he had done a hard day's work and there was still an hour before dinner which he seemed to have a right to dispose of in his own way and he did hesitate at the corner of grove street laying himself open as it were to any temptation that might offer itself temptations come as a general rule when they are sought and thus on the very eve of the election a grievous accident happened to mr cavendish it might have happened at any time to be sure but this was the most inopportune moment possible and it came accordingly now for as he made that pause some one passed him whom he could not but look after with a certain interest she went past him with a whisk as if she too was not without reminiscences it was not such a figure as a romantic young man would be attracted by on such a sudden meeting and it was not attraction but recollection that moved mr cavendish it was the figure of a large woman in a large shawl not very gracefully put on and making her look very square about the shoulders and bunchy at the neck and the robe that was whisked past him was that peculiar kind of faded silk gown which looks and rustles like tin or some other thin metallic substance he made that momentary pause at the street corner and then he went on slowly not following her to be sure but merely as he said to himself pursuing his own course for it was just as easy to get into grange lane by the farther end as by this end 
he went along very slowly and the lady before him walked quickly even with something like a bounce of excitement and went in at mr lake's door long before mr cavendish had reached it when he came up on the level with the parlour window which was partially open though the evening was so cold mr cavendish positively started notwithstanding the old associations which had been rising in his mind for there was pouring forth from the half-open window such a volume of melody as had not been heard for years in grove street perhaps the voice had lost some of its freshness but in the surprise of the moment the hearer was not critical and its volume and force seemed rather increased than otherwise it has been already mentioned in this history that a contralto had a special charm for mr cavendish he was so struck that he stood stock-still for the moment not knowing what to make of it and then he wavered for another moment with a sudden sense that the old allegorical crisis had occurred to him and that pleasure in a magnificent gush of song wooed him on one side while duty with still small voice called him at the other he stood still he wavered for fifty seconds perhaps the issue was uncertain and the victim was still within reach of salvation but the result in such a case depends very much upon whether a man really likes doing his duty which is by no means an invariable necessity mr cavendish had in the abstract no sort of desire to do his unless when he could not help it and consequently his resistance to temptation was very feeble he was standing knocking at mr lake's door before half the thoughts appropriate to the occasion had got through his mind and found himself sitting on the little sofa in mr lake's parlour as he used to do ten years ago before he could explain to himself how he came there it was all surely a kind of enchantment altogether he was there he who had been so long away from carlingford he who had been so deeply offended by hearing his name seriously coupled with that of barbara lake he who ought to have been anywhere in the world rather than here upon the eve of his election when all the world was keeping watch over his conduct and it was barbara who sat at the piano singing singing one of the same songs as if she had spent the entire interval in that occupation and never had done anything else all these years the sensation was so strange that mr cavendish may be excused for feeling a little uncertainty as to whether or not he was dreaming which made him unable to answer himself the graver question whether or not he was doing what he ought to do he did not seem to be able to make out whether it was now or ten years ago whether he was a young man free to amuse himself or a man who was getting stout and upon whom the eyes of an anxious constituency were fixed and then after being so virtuous for a length of time a forbidden pleasure was sweet mr cavendish's ideas however gradually arranged themselves as he sat in the corner of the little haircloth sofa and began to take in the differences as well as the bewildering resemblances of the present and past barbara like himself had changed she did not insult him as lucilla had done by fresh looks and mischievous candour about going off barbara had gone off like himself and like himself did not mean to acknowledge it she had expanded all over as was natural to a contralto her eyes were blacker and more brilliant in a way but they were eyes which owned an indescribable amount of usage and her cheeks too wore the deep roses of old deepened and fixed by wear and tear instead of feeling ashamed of himself in her presence as he had done in lucilla's 
mr cavendish felt somehow consoled and justified and sympathetic poor soul he said to himself as he sat by while she was singing she too had been in the wars and had not come out scatheless she did not reproach him nor commiserate him nor look at him with that mixture of wonder and tolerance and pity which other people had manifested she did not even remark that he had grown stout he was not a man fallen 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 from his high estate to barbara she herself had fallen from the pinnacles of youth and mr cavendish was still a great man in her eyes she sang for him as she had sung ten years ago and received him with a flutter of suppressed delight and in her satisfaction was full of excitement the hard-worked candidate sank deeper and deeper into the corner of the sofa and listened to the music and felt it very soothing and pleasant for everybody had united in goading him on rather than petting him for the last month or two of his life now tell me something about yourself he said when the song was over and barbara had turned round as she used to do in old times on her music-stool i hear you have been away like me not like you said barbara for you went because you pleased and i went why did you go asked mr cavendish because i could not stay here any longer said barbara with her old vehemence because i was talked about and looked down upon and well never mind that's all over now and i am sure i am very glad to see you mr cavendish as a friend and with that something like a tear came into her eye she had been knocked about a good deal in the world and though she had not learned much still she had learned that she was young no longer and could not indulge in the caprices of that past condition of existence mr cavendish for his part could not but smile at this intimation that he was to be received as a friend and consequently need not have any fear of barbara's fascinations as if a woman of her age worn and gone off as she was could be supposed dangerous but still he was touched by her tone we were once very good friends barbara said the inconsistent man we have lost sight of each other for a long time as people do in this world but we were once very good friends yes she said with a slight touch of annoyance in her voice but since we have lost sight of each other for so long i don't see why you should call me barbara it would be much more becoming to say miss lake mr cavendish was amused and he was touched and flattered most people had been rather forbearing to him since he came back putting up with him for old friendship's sake or supporting his cause as that of a reformed man and giving him on the whole a sort of patronizing humiliating countenance and to find somebody in whose eyes he was still the paladin of old times the mr cavendish whom people in grange lane were proud of was balm to his wounded soul i don't know how i am to learn to say miss lake when you are just as good to me as ever and sing as you have just been doing he said i suppose you say so because you find me so changed upon which barbara lifted her black eyes and looked at him as she had scarcely done before the eyes were as bright as ever and they were softened a little for the moment out of the stare that seemed to have grown habitual to them and her crimson cheeks glowed as of old and though she was untidy and looked worn and like a creature much buffeted about by wind and waves she was still what connoisseurs in that article call a fine woman she looked full at mr cavendish and then she cast down her eyes as if the sight was too much for her 
i don't i, I don't see any difference she said with a certain tremor in her voice for he was a man of whom in the days of her youth she had been fond in her way and naturally mr cavendish was more touched than ever he took her hand and called her barbara again without any reproof and he saw that she trembled and that his presence here made to the full as great an impression as he had ever done in his palmiest days perhaps a greater impression for their old commerce had been stormy and interrupted by many a hurricane and barbara then had or thought she might have many strings to her bow and did not believe that there was only one mr cavendish in the world now all that was changed and if this old hope should revive again it would not be allowed to die away for any gratification of temper mr cavendish did not remember ever to have seen her tremble before and he too was fond of her in his way this curious revival did not come to anything of deeper importance for of course just then rose came in from her household affairs and mr lake to tea and the candidate recollected that it was time for dinner but father and sister also gave him in their different ways a rather flattering reception mr lake had already pledged him his vote and was full of interest as to how things were going on and enthusiastic for his success and rose scowled upon him as of old as on a dangerous character whose comings and goings could not be seen without apprehension which was an unexpected pleasure to a man who had been startled to find how very little commotion his presence made in grange lane he pressed barbara's hand as he went away and went to his dinner with a heart which certainly beat lighter and a more pleasant sense of returning self-confidence than he had felt for a long time when he was coming out of the house as a matter of course he met with the chief of his dissenting supporters accompanied for mr berry as has been said was very low church and loved wherever he could do it to work in unison with his dissenting brethren by the rector's church warden both of whom stopped with a curiously critical air to speak to the candidate who had to be every man's friend for the time being the look in their eyes sent an icy chill through and through him but still the forbidden pleasure had been sweet as he walked home he could not help thinking it over and going back ten years and feeling a little doubtful about it whether it was then or now and as he mused miss marchbanks whom he could not help continually connecting and contrasting with the other appeared to him as a kind of jealous queen eleanor who had a right to him and could take possession at any time should she make the effort while barbara was a rosamond dilapidated indeed but always ready to receive and console him in her bower this was the kind of unconscious sentiment he had in his mind feeling sure as he mused that lucilla would be very glad to marry him and that it would be very wise on his part to ask her and was a thing which might still probably come to pass of course he could not see into miss marchbanks's mind which had travelled such a long way beyond him he gave a glance up at the windows as he passed her door and felt a kind of disagreeable satisfaction in seeing how diminished the lights were in the once radiant house and lucilla was so fond of a great deal of light but she could not afford now to spend as much money upon wax as a continental church might do mr cavendish had so odd a sense of lucilla's power over him that it gave him a certain pleasure to think of the coming down of her pride and diminution of her lights 
but the fact was that not more than ten minutes after he had passed her door with this reflection lucilla sitting with her good book on the table and her work in her hand in the room which was not so well lighted as it used to be heard that mr cavendish had been met with coming out of mr lake's and that barbara had been singing to him and that there was no telling what might have happened a man ain't the man for carlingford as takes up with that sort thomas said indignantly who had come to pay his former mistress a visit and to assure her of his brother-in-law's vote he was a little more free-spoken than of old being now set up and an independent householder and calling no man master and he was naturally indignant at an occurrence which regarded in the light of past events was an insult not only to carlingford but to lucilla Miss Marchbanks was evidently startled by the news. She looked up quickly as if she had been about to speak, and then stopped herself and turned her back upon Thomas, and poked the fire in a most energetic way. She had even taken the hearth-brush in her hand to make all tidy after this onslaught, but that was the thing that went to Thomas's heart. "'I could not stand by and see it, Miss Lucilla,' said Thomas. "'It don't feel natural.' and there was actually a kind of moisture in his eye as he took that domestic implement out of her hand mr cavendish pitied lucilla for having less light than of old and thomas for being reduced so low as to sweep her own hearth but lucilla was very far from pitying her own case she had been making an effort over herself and she had come out of it triumphant after reading so many good books it is not to be wondered at if she felt herself a changed and softened and elevated character she had the means in her hands of doing her candidate's rival a deadly mischief and yet for old friendship's sake lucilla made up her mind to forbear i will give it to you thomas she said with dignity holding the hearth-brush which was in such circumstances elevated into something sublime if you will promise never until after the election never to say a word about mr cavendish and miss lake it was quite right to tell me and you are very kind about the hearth but you must promise never to say a syllable about it not even to nancy until the election is over or i will never give it to you nor ask you to do a single thing for me again thomas was so much struck with this address that he said good lord in sheer amazement and then he made the necessary vow and took the hearth-brush out of lucilla's hand no doubt he was asking for mr lake's vote said miss marchbanks they say everybody is making great exertions and you know they are both my friends i ought to be pleased whoever wins but it is impressed on my mind that mr ashburton will be the man lucilla added with a little solemnity and thomas we must give them fair play it would be vain to assert that thomas understood this romantic generosity but he was taken by surprise and had relinquished his own liberty in the matter and had nothing further to say indeed he had so little to say downstairs that nancy who was longing for a little gossip insulted and reviled him and declared that since he took up with that betsy there never was a sensible word to be got out of his head and all the time the poor man was burning with this bit of news many a man has bartered his free will under the influence of female wiles or so at least history would have us believe but few have done it for so poor a compensation as that hearth-brush thomas withdrew sore at heart longing for this election to be over and kept his word like an honest man 
but notwithstanding before the evening was over the fatal news was spreading like fire to every house in grange lane End of chapter forty eight recording by Maricel Quee